I remember many years ago, I think maybe even when we were still in high school, Randy said to me, when my dad dies, he wants a New Orleans jazz funeral. I wasn't a preacher yet, and I had no idea what a New Orleans jazz funeral was. But short of getting a band in here, <laughs> we knew that it involved some wonderful music. Bill Carrion was my friend. I have no idea why. See, when I, when I first met Bill, I was Randy's friend. Randy and I went to school together. I think we were three years apart. And so we were at the same school. We were in the same activities. We were in plays together. We played brothers one year in a play. We were in the same youth group activities. And being a small town, there's not a lot of people to hang out with. So Randy and I started hanging around each other. We would go out to eat. We would go to movies or we would simply drive. How I became Bill's friend has always been something of a mystery to me. My kids bring their friends home. <laughs> I don't feel for them the same that Bill felt for me. I'd like to share a few scriptures that I've gone to as I've considered my relationship with Bill and as I've considered our relationship with Christ. Jesus said these words to his friends the night before his crucifixion as he met with them, sat around a table and shared a meal. He said to his friends, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. In my Father's house. Sooner or later, hanging out with Randy, we would always end up back at the house, at his father and mother's house. And, and, and Bill would be there watching TV a lot. But it always amazed me how an adult would engage a high school student in conversation. Not, not just talking to, but, but talking with. And, and he very willingly engaged and asked questions and, and built a, a conversation. And, and when we talked, he genuinely seemed interested in me. Jesus goes on and, and says to his friends in verse 4, And you know the way to where I am going. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, just show us the Father and that's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you for so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? No one comes to the Father except through me. I, I thought about that with my relationship with Randy and, and how that blossomed into a relationship with, with Bill. Somehow getting to know Bill was, was very easy despite years and years of age difference. Uh, it seemed very natural. We were together early on. When I was in college, we were together in a discipleship group. We, uh, we met together every week. We shared a lot. We prayed together. 
those were some very early mornings that neither one of us really enjoyed. Uh, kind of rough, getting up early on a Saturday morning. But uh, later, uh, when I came back to Kansas, our relationship continued with long visits and laughs and, and deep discussions. Bill was my movie buddy. And we replaced those early morning prayer times with uh, midnight premieres of movies. And we would go at midnight and get home about 2.30 or 3 in the morning until finally we both said, we're too old for this. Uh, we're not doing this anymore. I've come to believe, I've come to believe that I was Bill's friend because I was Randy's friend. Because I loved his son. Because I treated his son with respect and honor. Bill loved me for doing that. And there's something of our Heavenly Father in building a relationship like that. And Jesus himself tells us that just two chapters later in, in the same context with his friends in John 16, Jesus tells us that because we love him, we are loved by God. And he says in John 16, 27, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. And a few verses later, Jesus says in, in John 16, 33, he says to his friends, I have said these things to you that you may have peace. In this world, you'll have tribu tribulation. You'll have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And we have to admit, we come and we sing songs like, we hear songs like uh, as the saints go marching in. We love the joy. There's, there is joy here, but, and there's a love that has been shared. But, but our hearts are troubled. We miss our friend very, very much. But our peace is found in an amazing connection that we will always have with Bill. A connection that, that goes beyond friendship, that goes beyond the relationship of a father or a grandfather or a husband. Bill loved Jesus. And because Bill loved Jesus, he was loved by God. And that builds an amazing connection between us all, a, a connection that withstands anything, a connection that withstands any pain, any heartache. It's, it's a connection that overcomes this world. Later on that night, as, if you, as you continue reading in John 14 and continue on from there, Jesus went to a garden and he prayed. It was a song that Bill loved, and, and again, much of what we're doing today is because Bill requested it, and, uh, and Bill requested a song that, that just draws us into the presence of Christ, and those, those moments of, of deep sorrow in the garden, uh, but also in those moments of deep friendship, when he told the disciples, you love me, and therefore my Father loves you. So would you stand with me as we sing in the garden? 1939, after the outbreak of World War II, the British government commissioned several morale-boosting posters for the British people. The, the Brits knew that there were long days ahead, times of testing, years ahead of, of testing, frightening times. They, they knew the potential for bombings and invasion and great despair for their people. And so they needed reminders that no matter the struggle, no matter the challenge, never forget 
who you are. And that life continues. And the most iconic of these posters was a simple red background with the crown of King George as authority at the top and a very simple, straightforward encouragement. Keep calm and carry on. And so when we began this battle of cancer, we began it with the words, keep calm and carry on. <laughs> and for us, and for Bill, it was a reminder that cancer does not change who you are. In fact, there is no challenge, there is no struggle, there is no loss that can change who you are. And that's not just a truth we learn from Scripture, although it is there, but it's a truth that was modeled for us by Bill, by Nancy, by Paige, by the rest of the family. We are stronger today, all of us, because of your faith and because of what we saw in Bill. For Bill, faith came first. Now, a lot of people say family first. And that is a very wonderful sentiment, and family is very important. But if Bill had put you people first, you would have driven him nuts. Uh, don't laugh, even you, Nancy. You know it's true. But by putting his faith first, Bill built his life on the most important thing. He built his life on a foundation that enabled him to stand firm in the face of troubles, whether those troubles were with his health or <laughs> with his family. Bill had a deep love for the Word of God. He was in his Bible very often. I remember years ago, Bill had gotten a new Bible. It was a hardback NIV. I had never seen anything like it. It had huge margins so that he could write notes. And, and Bill loved that Bible. He was so happy. I was having lunch with, with Randy one time, and Randy told me that Bill used to keep his Bible on his desk at work. And every now and then, that caused a look or two, and people kind of wonder what that was about. Led to some questions, but it pointed to his faith. It pointed that this was important to him. In fact, it pointed that this was of first importance. That's what Paul tells us about our faith. I'd like to share some of Paul, the Apostle Paul's thoughts from 1 Corinthians 15. Beginning in verse 3, Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though, <clears throat> though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. I asked the grandkids for some memories. And they shared some wonderful thoughts. Shelby told me, I remember when he wasn't sick, and we would, go, we would always go to the movies, and that was always the best time for me because it was just me and him, and I got to spend time alone with him. I went to a lot of movies with your grandpa, too. We saw some great movies. <clears throat> we saw some real stinkers, too. We saw, we saw some bad movies. But afterwards, very often afterwards, Bill would steer the conversation about the movie into the spiritual aspect, even, even the dumb ones. You know, it, he would steer it to a, a, the spiritual aspects of the movies. And, 
and he would bring those movies around to matters of, of faith, and he was great at doing that, and, and that tells me that he had internalized much of what he had read in the scriptures. His faith sat firmly in the center of his heart. That's, that's how he loved you. His faith sat firmly in the center of his mind. It, it changed the way he thought. Everything about Bill was, uh, was focused from his faith, was foundation, uh, foundation, founded on his faith. Shortly after Bill began cancer treatments, we were talking and, and he expressed frustration. He said, I, I just can't concentrate anymore. I, I, I try to read and I just can't. I, I, I try to read the Bible and, and I can't concentrate. I can't read it. And, and I encouraged him. I said, you know, you've been laying this foundation for years. You've been reading the word for years. It is a rock within you. Now that you've built that foundation, it's going to sustain you. It will carry you through this. You, it's firm. You can trust it. So I'd ask you guys here today, are you laying a foundation like that in your lives? A firm foundation on the Word of God so that when that diagnosis comes, when that very bad day comes, will you stand firm? Will you stand on your convictions? Will you be sure of your faith? Bill's faith came first. And Bill's faith gave him hope. It's, uh, it has been fascinating to listen to the stories that the grandkids tell and the way they knew their grandpa. Colin said, he always said thank you after every meal, even if it wasn't all that good. Which was a lot of them, wasn't it? <laughs> Caleb said, I asked Caleb, what's one characteristic that you saw in your grandpa that you want in your life? And he said, selflessness. Selflessness is a wonderful characteristic of Bill Carrion. And, and as the boys sat and, and told stories of what they had seen in, in their grandpa, Nancy sat quietly in the corner of the room, and finally she said, you know, he wasn't always like that. <laughs> That's not the Bill Carrion that started out. And, uh, and she told some stories that, that earlier Bill, your, <clears throat> Bill 1.0, had... had uh, had made some mistakes, and um, Bill had suffered for those mistakes. And in fact, people that people that loved Bill, people who were closest to Bill, his family, had also suffered for some of those mistakes. Bill, Bill wasn't perfect, but you know, Bill's hope was not founded on his ability to be perfect. That was not where Bill found his hope. It wasn't in his ability to be perfect. His hope was in a perfect Savior. You know, there's lots of things that we can believe. There's lots of things that we can <clears throat> try to trust and, and try to have hope in. But if, if they're just lies, if they're just stories made up by others, they're, they're worthless. What did Bill find his hope in? Paul continues in verse 12. And he says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, well, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testify about God that he raised Christ, if whom, he, uh, whom he did not raise, if it's true that the dead are not raised. 
For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, they have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. You hear that? If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. Your faith is powerless. It it can't change you. It can't make you a, a truly better person. It can't save you. It can't give you a hope that goes beyond this world. And therefore, the good news that we proclaim, the good news that we hold on to, it, it's actually bad news. Paul, Paul says there in verses 18 and 19, then those also who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, those who have fallen asleep in Christ, they've perished. They're done. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, then we are of all people most to be pitied. If Jesus has not been raised from the dead, then Bill Carrion is gone. Then he is done, and there is nothing left but stories. No matter how good he was, no matter what a great grandfather he was, what a great father, what a great husband, what a great friend, his story has ended if Christ has not been raised from the dead. It's not about how good you can be. It's not about how good you can be you try to make it about yourself, you will drive yourself nuts. It's about who Jesus is. It's about what he has done. It's about how he lives today and how he lives in you. Bill's faith is what turned his hope into victory. About a year ago, Bill and I were talking about cancer. And uh, Bill was sitting back there, he's standing back there in the back of the auditorium and we were talking. Bill looked great. You know, he'd, he'd been through some treatments. Numbers were down. Everything was looking good. Everything was, you know, looking really, really great. And, and it looked like, you know, things were going to come out all right. He'd had some great reports. But even so, Bill, standing back there, he said to me, I'm 71. <laughs> I've lived a long life. That's more years than a lot of people get. He said, I've had a great life. If this is it, what do I have to complain about? If, if this doesn't work out, what do I have to complain about it? And he blew me away with that perspective. It wasn't a perspective of resignation. He wasn't saying, well, this is it. <laughs> he realized he was blessed, and, and he realized that his victory wasn't on this side of the grave. His victory wasn't here. His victory was over there. Bill's ultimate hope was not healing from cancer. Bill's ultimate hope was not perfect physical health. In fact, cancer or no cancer, Bill couldn't find hope. Couldn't, his hope could not be fulfilled this side of the grave because Bill's hope was in Jesus. Jesus didn't find hope on this side of the grave, did he? No, he went to the cross. He suffered. He faced death. And because he faced death, he had victory over the grave. And, and we find victory in death as well. Paul says later on here in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 50, he says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the 
imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Bennett told me one of his favorite things about Grandpa. Bennett said one of his favorite things was playing hide-and-seek. Grandpa's won, Bennett. (laughs) For a while. Andy, hi Andy. Knock, knock. Amos. A mosquito bit me. That was one of Bill's jokes. Don't blame me. Andy loved knock-knock jokes. Andy also loved playing steamroller with Bill. Uh, Bill would get Andy down on the floor and, and roll over her. It's a lot of fun. Try it. I don't recommend it with cats, but it's, it's fun with kids. Andy also told me he was such a good daddy to my daddy and a papa to me. That's a wonderful statement. Because it reminds us that the beautiful thing about this victory we have in Jesus is that we share it with other people. Randy has a victory today because Bill has a victory. In fact, we could look at our own lives and how many of us today have stronger faith because of our connection to Bill Carrion, because of what we saw in him. How many people are more sure of their victory today because someone like Bill lived out that victory so, so well? Maybe, maybe you're not there yet. Bill would want you to, to get there. Maybe you're putting your faith in other things. You know, Bill, Bill could have tried to put his faith in medicine. It got him, got him an extra year. But it couldn't keep him from the grave. We could put our our hope in science and say, well, maybe science someday will find a cure for cancer. We could put our hope in our own strength, like that bodybuilder you saw in those pictures earlier. Or put your hope in your own intelligence. I don't recommend it. Your ability to figure it all out. Maybe your hope is nothing more than, than I hope I can make it through this day. I hope I can make it just one more day. And maybe your victory will never take you beyond the grave. Bill would want you to know. Bill would want you to know that there is a God who loves you. There is a Savior who died for you. His name is Jesus Christ. He would want you to know Him so that you could know hope. So that you could know victory forever. Paul wraps up this chapter in verse 58 with the words, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In other words, keep calm and carry on. Don't let anything take your attention off of Christ. 
And don't let anything take your attention off of who you are in Christ, who He has made you to be. And if today you begin laying that foundation, I promise you it will stand firm when the troubles come. You will know faith. You will know hope. You will know victory. We're going to stand together and sing another song. Stand with me as we sing, Shine, Jesus, Shine.